Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We're so thankful that you're taking some time today to listen. We pray that this week's message challenges you to press in deeper with your pursuit of Christ. Our mission at Vision Church is to go and make disciples. You can help us in this mission by rating this podcast and sharing it with the world via social media. We want to reach the lost by raising up the found. Thank you again for tuning in today and enjoy the message. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it, being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. But before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of those things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Pray with me now one more time. Lord, we love you so much. We're so thankful for Hebrews chapter 11. I pray that you would open up our eyes to see what the Spirit is revealing to us today. I pray that you would build the faith of every person in this room and watching online or later. I pray that if there are people that are wavering in their faith, I pray, Lord, you would draw them to yourself and give them the gift of faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. A little bit of context here into uh, the book of Hebrews in case you are new to this series. You can get caught up anytime at your convenience online at visionchurch.com or our YouTube channel. Uh, But the background here for Hebrews is there is a group of Messianic Jews who are Christians with a Hebrew descent that started out on fire for Jesus. They were in love with him. They were sold out. They were all about the Great Commission. But over the years, as time lapsed, many of them began to falter in their faith, and many of them were reverting back to Judaism, okay? You have to remember that Judaism was not just a religion. It was a culture, a way of life. And for these people to reject and turn their back on this, their families were shunning them, disowning them, the pressures of society, were weighing down on them, and many of them were going back to Judaism, all right? So with that in mind, the author of Hebrews, who is unknown, writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit 13 glorious chapters like a lawyer describing and making a case for them to come back to their faith in Jesus Christ and to stand firm in the faith that he affords. That's the context of Hebrews.
Hebrews. Now, chapter 11 is like the flagship chapter of the entire book. It is absolutely incredible and one of my personal favorite chapters in the entire Bible. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 could be a sermon series all by itself, but don't worry, we're gonna get through it in one sermon today, all right? Many scholars have labeled chapter 11 the hall of faith because what you're gonna see is that the author in 39 to 40 verses goes person by person demonstrating their faith in action from the Old Testament. The reason the author does this is because he is telling these wavering believers, you gotta look back and see all that God has done through your forefathers, through your ancestors, and may that be a source of faith that strengthens you today and into the future. All right, so that's the context here. The first thing that I wanna show you is, in verse one, the author is answering the question, what is faith? Turn to your neighbor with some attitude and say, what is faith? Verse one, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith in its most simple definition would be our spiritual sense. What I mean by that is physically, we have physical senses. We can see, smell, taste, feel things. We have senses that provide evidence for us that things are real and material. For example, I can see this podium. I can feel it. I can touch it. And because my senses affirm it, I know, and I need no further evidence that it is real and it exists because my senses affirm it. Spiritually, faith is like your senses. Faith allows you to perceive the unseen spiritual realms so that you can have evidence of a reality that is greater than what you can see. I need to remind you, like the author of Hebrews reminded his audience thousands of years ago, that from the immaterial, God spoke the material universe into motion. The spiritual realm transcends the physical realm. And according to scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, the spirit realm is more real and more significant than the physical realm that you and I dwell in today. For out of the spirit, God spoke everything into motion. A great commentator named David Guzik is quoted as saying this, just as our physical eyesight is the sense that gives us evidence that the material world, faith is the sense that gives us evidence for the invisible spirit world. By faith, we perceive the spiritual. Faith works kind of like your muscles in your body. The more you use it, the more you use your muscles, the stronger you get. The more you act in faith, the more you pray in faith, the more you approach the word of God in faith, the stronger your faith becomes. Today, my faith is not where I want it to be, but it's light years from where it used to be, and it has grown the more I use it, the more I rely on God, the more I believe in him, the more I study and seek him, the more I am affirmed and confident and have no need of more convincing that he is. But like a muscle in your body, if you don't use it, it atrophies and it weakens, okay? So if you're not using faith, you're not applying faith, you will lose it. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. 
Look at your neighbor with some attitude. Your other neighbor, the one you ignored the first time. Tell me if you don't use it, you lose it. Y'all are definitely saying more than that, okay? Because I can see you and the lights are on, all right? So um, the Bible does not demand blind faith. The author of Hebrews is not inviting these wavering Messianic Jews to blind faith. He's not saying just believe it because I said it. And I'm going to be honest with you. One of the great, one of the great scars and stains of modern Christianity is that we have refused to embrace the curiosity of a world with questions. You know, when, when we clam up over people's questions, we act defensive. That is, an, that is a signal of insecurity that we don't have the answer. At this church, we don't shy away from your questions. We embrace your curiosity because the truth is we have the truth and it is on our side and we're firmly convinced of it. Scripture is not inviting you to blind faith. Just take the leap of faith. Just trust me. I heard a pastor one time, and I'm not going to tell you what church this was at, but I had a pastor basically say, hey, the Bible is true because it says it is. Take my word for it. I was like, Come. I was like man, what in the world? Okay, listen. The scripture is true, but it's not an invitation to blind faith. In fact, the author of Hebrews is not saying just believe. He spends the entire chapter 11 pointing back to the patriarchs of the faith from Abel to Moses to David to Abraham. He's pointing back and he's saying, look at how God has used them. Look at the faith that was clearly demonstrated in their life and may their faith be the foundation of which you stand on today. There are countless reasons to believe. I'm just going to rapid fire a couple really quickly. I did a series on this earlier this year. You can find it on our YouTube channel. But this, there are so many logical reasons to believe in Christianity and salvation through Jesus Christ. The first of which is the resurrection. There is an empty tomb and they can still produce nobody. He is the resurrection and the life. The Bible is historically reliable. It foretold of the Assyrian Empire and many others when archaeologists and history had lost them. Scripture is not only historically reliable, but it is also prophetically reliable. There are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament that have come to fruition with absolute precision in the New Testament through the life of Jesus Christ. No other book can prophesy the future and it unfold precisely the way it was spoken unless it be inspired of God Almighty. Not only that, but today our faith is built on the eyewitnesses, the eyewitness accounts of many, many, many people who lived thousands of years ago and watched his ministry unfold on earth. We have eyewitness manuscripts of those who watched the blind eyes opened. They watched the deaf hear, the lame to walk and the dead to rise again. And maybe the greatest reason to believe above all is the 12 apostles who were martyred, giving their life for his sake, selflessly dying and being tortured horrifically rather than to deny him as the Lord and Messiah. I don't know about you, but I would not die for a lie, would you? I wouldn't die for something I halfway believed in. And these apostles touched the nail-pierced hands of the resurrected Jesus Christ. These men saw something that shook them to their core. They were profoundly convinced, so much so, they went to their death for him. There are many reasons to believe today. 
Christ has not invited you to blind faith. There are many reasons that logically point us to Christianity and Jesus Christ. But I want to caution you. Logic and reason alone will not bring you to God. I believe logic, rationale that will point you towards Christianity, but ultimately God has set himself beyond the intellect of men. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. And without faith, it is impossible to reach him. There has to come a moment in your life where you trust, where you rely. And many people say, well, I don't have faith. Oh, yes, you do. You have faith in something. Faith in yourself, faith in science, faith on your professor, or faith in Christ. We're all betting with our lives. We're all placing our faith in something. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm not going to place my faith in the hands of a professor or a prophet who was unable to save himself. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord because Jesus lived, died, was buried, and came back again. That's who I'm going to believe. That's who I'm going to trust. You don't need faith for the things that you can see, feel, touch, and taste, physically sense. You need faith for the things that are immaterial that you cannot prove. And by the way, I believe that science and faith are not at war with one another. I believe when science is correctly interpreted that it is harmonious with the scripture. I truly believe that. And by the way, for those of you who say science is against Christianity and against faith, well, let me just remind you of the most pure definition of science. It is man's interpretation of data. I don't know if you heard me. Science is man's interpretation of data. Thank God men never get it wrong, right? <clears throat> That's why you got version 17.0, 17.1, 17.3 of your science book. But this word, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word remains forever. But you'll only find it and only believe it and only come to life through the lens of faith. And when you apply faith, you are convinced, you believe, you see what others cannot see. And I want to encourage you with this too. Faith is a gift that is received. Faith is not something that you can just conjure up and talk yourself into. No, no, no. Faith is a gift that comes from God. And scripture says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This morning, you are hearing the word of God, and I pray that it brings faith into your existence and into your life. But you have a choice what you can do with that faith. You can bury it, you can deny it, or you can place it firmly in Christ Jesus. That was verse one. <laughs> Hebrews eleven two. for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. For by faith, the elders, the patriarchs of the faith, obtained a good testimony. In other words, the righteous Old Testament saints were justified. They were made right with God because of their faith in him. They, were, they obtained a good testimony. Watch this. This is incredible. And you're going to see this in a moment. But as the author of Hebrews lists out all of these magnificent people and examples of faith, they all come from different backgrounds, different time periods, different walks of life, yet they all had one thing harmoniously in common, and that was that they all had faith in the living God, and they were relying and trusting on him to save them. And that's the picture he wants them to see. 
Why does he paint this picture? Because going back to Judaism means that you're trusting in yourself. Going back to Judaism means that you're trusting in your own righteousness, your own goodness, your own hard work and human effort. And it will never be enough to save you. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And by the way, verse 3 of Hebrews 11 says that the things which are seen are made of the things which are not seen. I'm about to take a lap on this one because really, really the author of Hebrews is like dropping something. He's dropping a bomb on us right here. I know that's probably too much, but that's what he's doing. Okay. So have you ever heard people say, well, I don't believe in anything unless I can see it, feel it, touch it, experience it. You ever heard people say that? I've had some people tell me, well, I won't believe unless I can see it. Okay. Well, the author of Hebrews is doing something hilarious. He's saying, well, actually you yourself, you must not believe in yourself then because you are made of things unseen. Atoms are the very fabric of life. They're the building blocks of the material universe and they cannot be observed even under the most powerful microscope. You and I are all comprised and exist of things unseen. I'm preaching to you. You feel that? Three of you, and I'm getting a golf clap from three of you. Okay. <laughs> Point went, well, hey, I'm preaching to me and I'm going to have church all by myself. All right. I'm going to have a good time even with, with or without you. So you say, I don't believe in things I can't see, but oh yes, you do because you are comprised of atoms, things that you cannot see. In other words, the author is saying the immaterial gave life to the material. The spirit realm gave birth to the physical, not the other way around. Heaven is more real than you have ever imagined. Moving on to verse four of Hebrews 11. <clears throat> By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Really, really powerful here. The first family, Adam and Eve, gave birth to a son named Cain. He was the firstborn. Their secondborn was named Abel. Both Cain and Abel presented an offering to God in the book of Genesis, and Cain's offering was that of grain and fruit and vegetables. And Abel offered the life of an animal that was shed as a sacrifice to God. <clears throat> Scripture says that God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but he rejected Cain's. And for many years, theologians have argued back and forth, why was Abel's sacrifice so much greater and more acceptable but the truth is, Scripture tells you right here in Hebrews 11, the reason that Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God was because he offered it in faith. It's not about what he sacrificed. It's about the manner and the posture of heart, his heart in which he worshipped. You see, Cain treated it like religion, his religious duty and obligation. Well, I have to give. Well, I have to worship. Well, I'm supposed to go to church. So here it is, God. But Abel comes with faith, believing and trusting that he is worthy, that he is holy and deserving of his best. God rejects one and he accepts the other. And scripture says that God gave him a righteous testimony because of his faith. Once again, making the picture in the illustration, pointing forward to the gospel, that we are saved by Jesus Christ, his grace through faith alone. Not by the works that we can bring, but by faith. 
By the way, another really powerful lesson right here in Hebrews 11 is that it says, Abel, though he is dead, his blood still speaks. Do you realize that right after the brothers made the sacrifice, Cain turned around and killed his brother Abel? You remember that? So what scripture is showing you is that faith may not always be rewarded on this side of eternity. Genuine faith may yield you no physical, natural, practical results. But you will be blessed in eternity and eternity is more real than the world you're living in now. So believe anyway, trust anyway. Even if God doesn't answer your prayer and reward you on this side of heaven, trust him anyway. Amen. Believe in him anyway. And your life and your legacy will, be, will bring faith to all those who knew you. Incredible stuff. Hebrews 11, verse six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Scripture is telling us that if we're going to come to God, number one, we must believe that there is a God. But number two, more importantly, we must believe that he is a good God. Too many of us believe that God is angry, God is hateful, God is judgmental, God is out to get you. And that perspective of God has created a chasm and a distance between you and he. You must remember that he is God and he is a rewarder. He is a good God and he is faithful. Scripture does not say that it's difficult to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Hebrews eleven seven. <clears throat> By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. The next patriarch of the faith that is highlighted here is Noah. And it says that Noah believed even in something that he had never seen before. Scripture implies here in Genesis that Noah had never seen rain before. He had never seen a flood like this before, yet he believed God at his word. But more significantly, what Hebrews 11 is highlighting is that Noah's faith resulted in genuine action. Look at your neighbor and help me preach, say faith results in action. <clears throat> faith is not just intellectually agreeing. Faith is trusting wholeheartedly, relying wholeheartedly. Faith is believing in such a way that it influences your behavior, your actions, and your decisions and demeanor. James said that faith without works is... In other words, you may say that you love the Lord, you may say that you're a Christian, but your actions are what will tell us what you really believe in. On the day of judgment, the gospels warn us that many will call him Lord, Lord, and he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. People can honor God with their lips, but their hearts be far from them. And you know why? Because they don't really believe what they say they believe. Because if you really believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God raised from death to life, you will surrender your life for his. If you really believe it, you'll share your faith with others. You'll serve him. You'll study his word. You'll pray to him. You'll seek him. If you really believe it, it will affect your actions and decisions. Amen. 
Because what you believe in, you really act on. Noah really believed the word. Noah really had faith. Therefore, he built an ark. It took him 40 years to build the ark while the world ridiculed him, made fun of him, said he was a fool. He persevered anyway, because when he had heard from God, men could not talk him out of what God had talked him into. I wonder, do you put action behind your faith today? Or are you just a Sunday morning Christian and then you live like an atheist the rest of the world? Because your actions tell us what you really believe in. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that your works are a prerequisite to salvation. No, your works don't save you, but your works are the evidence of somebody that believes. By the way, real quick, I just gotta have some fun with this one real fast. Not only did Noah's faith result in his obedience, but do you realize there was one door into the ark? One door. And do you know that the door to that ark was open the entire time it was under construction, right up until the rain came? In other words, there was an open door, an open invitation to every sinful person in the world to draw near to God's salvation. The way was open. Their entire life, it was open right until the moment the rain came, the door closed. This is a picture of the gospel. And as long as there's life in your body, as long as there's breath in your lungs, the door stands open to every one of you. Heathen, broken, sinner, every person, the door is open. The way is accessible. But you know what? In that great ship, there was one door. You know why? Because Jesus is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And there is one way to salvation, one way to the Father, and it is through Jesus Christ alone. And even in the gospels, he said, I am the door. I am the way. I'm getting excited today. Y'all see it? One door, one way. Hebrews eleven seventeen. by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, not of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham's faith in God was so great that he believed if he were to offer his son as a sacrifice on an altar, if he were to take the life of his first and only son, he believed God was so great so good and so powerful that even if his son Isaac died, God would resurrect him back to the newness of life. Think about that. The next time God calls you to do something that's a little bit inconvenient, when God calls you to do something you don't wanna do, will you still see him as a good God, a powerful God, one worthy of your adoration and obedience? He believed, and by the way, this is a picture obviously of the cross. The father gave his own son as a sacrifice to save the world. To God be the glory. This is a picture. The gospel of Jesus Christ has been in your scripture from the very first verse in Genesis. The entire Old Testament points forward to Jesus Christ and the entire New Testament points back to him. The Bible is not a complicated, convoluted book. It's a simple book about one message over and over and over again. God's plan to save the world through his son, Jesus Christ. 
And here we see it. Moving on, Hebrews eleven twenty eight. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Right here, the author of Hebrews is magnifying the faith of Moses. You remember the Passover when the Hebrews had been enslaved for 400 years in Egypt and God rose up Moses to be the deliverer. Finally, the plague started to fall on Egypt and the 10th and final plague was the death of the firstborn. Do you remember this? And the Lord told Moses, I want you this night, the spirit of death, the angel of death is gonna sweep across Israel, or excuse me, Egypt, and you are to take the blood of a lamb and you are to sprinkle its blood over the doorposts of your dwelling. And every Hebrew dwelling that is covered by the blood of the lamb, it will be saved and the angel of death will pass over your house. You shall live and not die. But every house of Egypt that was hardened, that, had un, that was unbelieving, that had rejected this message, they surely died that night all across the land of Egypt. Not only the firstborn children, but the firstborn of all their livestock. The author of Hebrews is saying, Moses had the faith to believe that if he would just trust in the blood of a lamb, that it would spare him and his household and a nation from the angel of death that was sure to come. It was by faith that he trusted in the blood of the lamb and that night the angel of death surely passed over and all of Israel lived. And everyone in Egypt who did not believe, they died. Again, this is not just folklore, fairy tale that we just throw away. No, no, no. These are actual events that happened in the world thousands of years ago because God Almighty from the beginning was showing you a picture of salvation that we are saved not by Judaism, not by the Mosaic law, not by our righteousness, our good works and philanthropy. We are saved by God's grace through faith in the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus. Jesus saves and covers our sin. And the same is true today. If you trust in the blood of the lamb, you trust in the finished work of the cross, you will be saved. Death and judgment will pass over you in eternity. But if you reject the blood of the lamb, you will die in your sin. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to continue on. Hebrews eleven twenty nine. 29, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry ground, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Immediately after this death of the firstborn, Pharaoh finally relents and he says, all right, get out of here. In fact, we're going to pay you to get out. And Moses leads 1.2 million Hebrews out of the land of Egypt and on their way to the promised land, they come to the shores of the Red Sea. And as they're camped there, they begin to hear the thundering of chariots and Pharaoh's army behind them because he had changed his mind. See, the Hebrews drove their economy. So Pharaoh had come back for them. So now Moses, trapped between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army, had nowhere else to go and nowhere else to turn. But the Lord made a way for them where there seemed to be no way. 
And God opened up the Red Sea and the walls of water stood on either side. And 1.2 million Hebrews walked through the Red Sea on dry ground onto Sinai's peninsula. But here's what I want you to see. In that moment, there were two nations that went through the Red Sea. We never preach this. We never talk about this. There were two nations that went through the Red Sea. One were the Israelites and the next were the Egyptians. The Israelites went into the Red Sea by faith and the Egyptians went into the Red Sea in their own courage and in their own power and in their own military might. One lived and the other were consumed and drowned in the Red Sea that day. Once again, it is a picture of your eternal salvation. You will be saved. You will pass through the valley of the shadow of death and you will fear no evil but by faith in Jesus Christ. But if you are trusting in your own strength, your own courage, your own determination, you will be swallowed up in the grave of death and experience a second death in eternity, hell eternally. And yes, I said hell in church. The, the American Christianity, we don't talk about hell. Scripture is profoundly clear. And by the way, if you have a problem with anything I'm preaching today, you can take it up with the Lord because I'm just the messenger. You, it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Every one of you will stand before your creator and give an account for what you've done in the body. And every one of us will spend eternity either in heaven, in his presence, or we will spend eternity in hell suffering away from him. And God does not send anyone to hell, by the way. We send ourselves by rejecting the sacrifice of his son. God will not force you into his presence through all of eternity if you don't want him here on earth. And if you would have rejected God for your 77 years or roughly lifespan on earth, you would have rejected him throughout if your life had been infinite. But if you would have accepted him in this micro glimpse of life here on earth, then you would have accepted him eternally. The reality is the wages of sin is death. And we have offended a holy God. We have re rejected him and abandoned him. And one day, either you will pay for your own sin on the day of judgment, or his blood will cover you and pay for it himself. The choice is yours. Will you enter death trusting in your own confidence and strength? Or will you enter it by faith, knowing that he is the only way? Again, there was only one way through the Red Sea. I'm about to, I'm about to lose it. I'm about to take a lap up in here. <laughs> Almost done today. Hebrews eleven thirty one. 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Really fast, Rahab was a prostitute. If you don't, <laughs> I've never had, never had anybody cheer that, but I love you. I love you. So, but I'd rather, <laughs> I love it. Hey, it's better than crickets and golf claps. Hey, um, Rahab was a prostitute. If you don't like me saying prostitute in church, you can check your kids in division kids. We warn you every Sunday. So anyway, um, Here's the, I think it's amazing that the author of Hebrews in the hall of faith, talking about David, Abraham, Moses, Noah, includes Rahab. And you know what? 
the, the brief synopsis is the, Israel's, the Israeli spies had come to scope out Jericho, the promised land. And when they were found out, the kings of Jericho came to kill the spies, but Rahab hid them and protected them. And in doing so, she denounced her own idol, idolatry and idol worship in Jericho. The gods of Canaan she forsook to protect the spies of Jehovah, Yahweh. And the scripture includes her here just to show you that even a prostitute can be saved by grace through faith. Even the worst of the sinners can be saved while an entire city perishes all because she believed when everybody else doubted. When everybody else ignored, she leaned in. When everybody else scoffed, she said, have mercy on me. Once again, Jesus Christ came and died for the sinner of which we are the worst. None of us are righteous. If any of you say that you are without sin, you are a liar and the truth of God is not in you. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are in desperate need of a savior. And even if you have not acted or behaved outwardly in a sinful, egregious manner, Jesus taught us that sin is more than just the actions committed in the body. It is, the, it is our mindset. Sin is conceived in our thought life. If you've even thought of a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery with her. Sin is more than just the actions and behaviors we've acted on. It's the thoughts we've entertained inside of our hearts heart. We are all guilty and stand condemned before a holy God. There is one way to heaven. It's through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And you might think the cross is extreme, bloody and violent. It is because it's the picture of how detestable and wicked our sin really is. In closing today, Hebrews eleven thirty three through 35. I'm just going to read this to you. By faith, some of the saints were victorious over their circumstances. And by faith, some of the saints were victorious under their circumstances. Hebrews eleven thirty three, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. They, they became valiant in battle. They turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead who were raised to life again. Scripture is showing us here that by faith, some were overcomers and victorious here on earth in this present life. David, Joshua, Hezekiah overcame other kingdoms. They were triumphant in battle because of their faith in the Lord God. Many of them who were weak, their strength was made perfect. Sarah, Gideon, Abraham, who started weak, finished strong by faith. But then Hebrews shows you the contrast. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mocking and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were tempted and slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin and being destitute, afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Scripture says that some triumphed because of their faith. And it says that others suffered because of it. 
but both of them were great in faith and the world was not worthy of them. Hear me today, church. Scripture is telling you that your circumstances are not an indication of God's approval or disapproval of your life. Some of you are experiencing victory in your life. You're triumphant because of your faith. And others of you are suffering and afflicted and dejected because of your faith and you believe. You, if you don't receive the reward on this side, you will on the next. Don't let your circumstances cause your faith to waver. Scripture says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Don't let the circumstances of life pull you away. In, in the last point here, verses 39 through 40, um, I'm just gonna read it to you really quickly. And all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Hebrews closes with one of the most epic statements in the world, and I just read it to you. The author, reaching back to his messianic audience, he says to them, all of these patriarchs believed, though they did not receive the promise. They all stood through the test of the times in their victories and in their defeats. They held true to the faith. But now you have no reason to not believe. You have no reason to not have faith because you have seen the promise. You have seen the Son of God take on flesh you have seen his ministry as blind eyes were open, as the deaf heard and the lame walked. You saw him die on a cross and raise three days later. You saw the promise. You've seen the empty tomb. We today have no reason to not believe because we have seen the promise in the land of the living. May you be built with faith today. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, click that subscribe button share this podcast on social, or even take a screenshot from your story and tag us. We'd love to hear how the Lord is using this podcast to bless your life. You can send an email to info at or you can DM us on social with a story of how God is moving in your world. Also, we'd like to thank those who invest in our ministry financially. It's because of your sacrifice that we are able to publish this every week. If you'd like to join in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in the description or visit visionchurch.com and click the Give tab. Thanks again for listening. God bless.